Welcome to Divorce Stories with attorney Dennis Vetrano, the show for people that want real answers to real divorce questions from a real divorce lawyer. And now here's your host, attorney Dennis Vetrano. Welcome back, everyone, again to Divorce Stories with your host, divorce attorney Dennis Vetrano. Special guest for you today. We've had some really great ones, as you know, and this there, there will be no disappointment here. We have Jamie Scrimger. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You got it. Okay, awesome. She is a life coach with a specialization in step family dynamics, the host of a top charting podcast, the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast, and creator of the exclusive Stepmom Community. Interesting. An online membership for stepmoms who want to live a kick-ass life. I mean, who doesn't want to live a kick-ass life, right? Uh, With a focus on personal development, mindset, and playing the long game. Jamie has created a t- the type of resources she needed when, when she became a stepmom almost 10 years ago. Uh, she is on a mission to inspire women to be expert on their own life and thrive amongst extra stress that comes with a step family life. Now, just the technical here, Jamie has a BA honors in psychology, a postgrad in social service work. And prior to becoming a life coach, and I didn't know this until we did a little bit of background research on you, that you enjoyed a career in child protection. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, she's a stepmom of three and a mom of one. Jamie, so awesome to have you here with us today. Uh, I think it's such an interesting topic, that dynamic of being a step parent. Why don't we start off with, can you describe your journey to becoming a kick-ass stepmom from the beginning. And I mean, like, you know, as that relationship started with your current husband, knowing there's going to be kids involved, like, how did that start? How did that evolve? Like, what were you thinking? Give us something, something interesting on that. So, yeah. So when I first became a stepmom, so get this, I'm 26 years old and I am working in child protection, which is really interesting, right? Because you have a 26 year old with no kids and no experience with children teaching parents how to, how to be a good parent. So that's a whole different topic. But so I go on a date with my husband and I heard that he had gotten divorced or he would had just split. So they were separated. And what's really interesting. So he's 13 years older than me and I always loved him. When I saw him, I remember every time I've ever seen him before, I remember what I was wearing. I just always just loved him. So your I husband needs to hear this, by the way. That's so awesome. Yeah, he, oh, he knows. He knows. I just love him. <laughs> I'm so sure he does. I reached out and we kind of started talking back and forth on Facebook, interestingly enough. And we went out right. on our first date and we both really didn't know what was going on in each other's lives. We were just like, hey, let's go get a drink. Right. So I knew at that point he was recently separated, had three kids, and it really didn't even phase me. You know, our by our yeah. third date, I was like, I'm going to marry him. It was just kind yeah. of this done deal. And we were just so committed from right from the very beginning. So, right. you know, I, my parents are divorced. Yeah. I grew up with my dad and I literally used to get rid of my dad's girlfriends for sport. I could not stand any of my dad's girlfriends. So I was basically the child of divorce from hell. And uh, so I had, you know, my experience working for children's aid. I dealt with a lot of custody and access with supporting families with, you know, co-parenting stuff and all of those things. So I really kind of felt like I knew what I was doing, right? This was going to be fine. And uh, so I never thought about it. People are like, well, you know, how did you overcome the anxiety? How did you, you know, decide if you were ready for life with kids? Right. And I didn't think about it. I was just 
going to marry this man. <laughs> and I think in hindsight, it was probably better that I didn't overthink it because I think yeah. that's where a lot of stepmoms yeah. go wrong. And I think part of it is like, like I'm seeing it like, look, the most important thing was your love for your future husband, knowing that mm-hmm. that this person's your soulmate. You you need to be with this person no matter what. But on the other end of that, maybe like not thinking it through necessarily. Were there any implications of that? Did you feel like maybe you should have thought about it a little bit more or like when you got in, like no problem, everything worked out fine? No, it was freaking hard, right? <laughs> like, yeah, so I right, thought, right. Yeah. So we moved really fast. So we were just kind of a done deal. So we had the age difference. And so when we got together, my youngest stepson was five. So we had five, eight, and my stepdaughter was 10. So we knew at the very beginning that we wanted to get married and we, I wanted a kid. And so that was a conversation that I had very early on before I committed us, you know, you've done things that I want to do. And, you know, before we get any further, like, this is what I want for my life. Like, are you on board with this? And so it was, yeah, sure. He never thought he was going to have kids again. He never thought he was going to get married. Just like the standard thing that everyone who gets divorced says. Right. And um, so we just kind of went all in and we moved in together. We started dating in March, moved in together in June. We're engaged in October, married in the following June, pregnant in August. Wow. Like it was insane, right? Wow. And from the outside, everyone was saying, like, does she know what she's getting herself into? Like they're moving so fast. You know, my fan, my even my dad was like, This is a terrible idea, Jamie. What do you think? Right. And, I mean, did uh, you guys talk about it? I mean, did what did, did the decision was the decision like between the two of you? Did you did you talk about the talk about it with the stepchildren? I mean, like, like what like how did that yeah. how did that work out? So from the very beginning, Darren was always like, hey, guys, you know, I'm, I'm I kind of have a friend. I'm kind of like dating yeah. someone like, what do you think about this? And so he, everything was prepped. Right. We were right. priming them for everything. Right. And so they knew when we got married that we wanted to have a baby. Right. So right. it wasn't a surprise when we told them we were pregnant. Right. You know, when we were talking about getting married, they weren't they weren't surprised when it happened. I'm right. sure there were emotions. They It didn't come to me. Um, right. I think they had conversations with their mom, kind of like what you know, what is this going to look like and all of those kind of things. But right. We've just really included them and, and and cared about what they thought. Like, I remember when we decided we were going to move in together, we wanted to check in with the kids to see how they were feeling about it because it was very soon. And, yeah. uh, you know, they came running in the house the one day after pickup and they're like, Jamie, Jamie, you can move in. Like, we want you to move in. Right. So we really did include them in in everything in terms right. of it, as, as included as they wanted to be, because some wanted to be more included than the others. And, you know, three kids, they all adjust in different ways. So it was really about meeting them where they're at, too. Right. And do you think, look, it sounds like I mean, it sounds like a dream situation the way it worked out. But do you think that like that communication, like that involvement of the kids in the decision making process made the difference? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I was saying how I used to just get rid of my dad's girlfriends for sport. I learned a lot from them about what not to do. Yeah. You know, I, about what not to do and how right. to come in and not try to change things or not try to, you know, I remember my dad's girlfriends would like kiss my dad in front of me and like super PDA or they'd sit in my yeah. spot at the dinner table and just like little things. And I remember yeah. being like, lady, you got to go home. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And so I was very conscious about that right. when I first came in. So 
it's really interesting. I just interviewed my stepdaughter for my podcast and my stepdaughter, well, I interviewed my stepdaughter and my stepson. So that was interesting because there's two different perspectives, but my stepdaughter remembers me saying to her at the very beginning, you know, if you feel like I'm here too much or you're not getting enough alone time with your dad, or if I'm doing something that's bothering you, I want you to be able to tell me, I want you to feel comfortable. Just like, let me know. And, uh, I don't even remember saying that, but she remembers that, you know, she's now 20. But it's a, you know, it's the thing about being thoughtful enough to understand, like the kids will be more invested if they feel like they're they're at the table for these discussions, the proverbial table. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're part of the decision making process. You're talking to them. There's a communication. There's a dialogue. It's not like here's my new girlfriend. Here's my new boyfriend. And we're here and we're going to be kissing at the dinner table. No, this like this process, like seems like it was very you guys are really grounded in the way you approached it and like very thoughtful about it. I mean, although it moved fast, you were very thoughtful about each step, you know? I think so. I think we weren't overthinking it and we were just considering, considering everyone's perspective, but we were doing it naturally. It wasn't like we sat down and had a strategy session. I think that's just, well, it was interesting before I met the kids and Darren really struggled because he, he felt like he was living two different lives, right? He's like, I want you to meet the kids. I want us to do things together. Like, I feel like I have you and then I have them. And it's just like, it's very separate. And I want everything to come together. And I said to him, I said, look, I will not meet these kids until I am 100% sure we're going to be doing life together that I'm all in because the last thing they need is someone to come in and then leave, right? Like they don't need any more disruption in their routine. So I'm not, I'm not doing this until I'm 100% ready. I happen to be 100% ready very quickly But I wanted to make sure that this was just not like you don't just introduce your kids to someone you're dating just because it's easier. Like it's about doing life together. So uh, that was really important to me as well. Yeah, but you know what? I I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've given that advice to clients post-divorce and they like you can see their eyes glaze over as you're telling them and they're thinking I know what they're thinking. They're thinking like, Mm -hmm. screw this guy. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to like but you can't like it's not fair to the kids to have one girlfriend and then one boyfriend and then another boyfriend and another boyfriend or another girlfriend. Like having people just coming in and out of their lives like a swinging door is just like it's it's not good. So the idea mm-hmm. of and there's no specific timetable in my mind. But yeah. once you know you're there, you're there for the long haul, then that's time. But I think um too many people make that mistake of like, it's every girlfriend. It's, yeah, she's coming to dinner tonight. What's her name? Have I ever met her before yeah. or or him for that matter? No, but that's not mm-hmm. good. You guys did it's, it in the right way for sure. Oh, thanks. It's interesting because growing up, my dad, so I lived with my dad and he was kind of your stereotypical bachelor. And I yeah. think that's why he struggled with me being with Darren because he was like, I do not want you to date someone like me, right? Like he kind of saw it as right. similar situations. And he had so many girlfriends, right? It was like right. they would they would be around for about two years and then it would get serious. And, you know, he had his own stuff that he had to work with. And then, like, you know, they would they would break up. And, you know, even my mom has had a couple long term people in her life. And even now when they're still like obviously divorced and when we go to meet someone that they're with they say, you don't take it seriously. It's like, well, frig, like we have had so many people come in and out of our lives. Like we're good. Right. Like right. We, we, you don't take the relationship seriously either as a child. Right. Right. Um, I remember dad, my dad's girlfriend saying to me, 
well, this is what we're thinking, like in terms of like long-term plans. And I was like, lady, you are, you got a two-year expiry date. Like this yeah. is a pattern. <laughs> like, just yeah, so right. You know, but it, it, it affects the kids. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, are there specific things? If you think back, are there specific things that you thought about that say, hey, I checked this box, check this box, check this box. And that's how I know, look, I'm going to be here for the long haul. And it's time to be um, part of these kids' lives. As you think back, I mean, I know I know you have that general like, hey, I love this man. I'm going to be with this man. But like any specific markers that people can look for. I don't know. I'm very much someone who follows my gut and I just kind of go with it. But he felt like home and he always has felt like home. And I think that's really important and not just lust home, like not just like I love this. This is fun and this is exciting like this is. This is who I want to go gray with. Like, this is right. who I want to be with for the rest. Like, you know, we talk a lot about our values in life and what we yeah. want for our family. And we actually just did a uh, live call for women in my mastermind last night. And yeah. he he joined us and we talked about how we're constantly talking about our goals for our family. Like, right. what kind of family do we want to have? What kind of parents do we want to be? And that's a constant conversation. Right. And we've always been really aligned in that. Yeah. And I think that's what's really important because things get really stressful and really hairy in co-parenting yeah. dynamics. And you have to have that foundation to come back to, or it's not worth it. None of the extra right. stress is worth it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's so hard, but I think, you know, you know, when you know, you know, kind of thing, you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. always been my set, but like for me, like when people talking about relationships, I'm like, look, you know, it should be really easy. Everything should feel easy. It should feel like your life is better. And on the flip side, you should feel like, look, if this person's no longer in my life, what would my life be like? Could I, could I, you know, you would if you had to, but could Mm -hmm. I really, would I really want to go on without this person in my life? Mm -hmm. That's how valuable they are. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So why'd you start the blog and the podcast? Well, so there was a situation one night where things got really stressful because here's what happens when you have lots going on. You have a baby, you have a wedding, you have all this stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden the excitement's gone away and you look and you're like, Whoa, I just went from zero to four kids in a very short period of time. And I had no, I didn't, I didn't even babysit kids before. Right. So I had been a child protection worker, but I never like cared for the children. Right. So I didn't really understand about age appropriate behaviors. I didn't understand that it's normal to have to ask kids to do the same thing more than once. Like I just, I I had no experience with parenting and it was really, really hard. And so I was literally sitting on the bathroom floor in our bathroom with a glass of wine, um, bawling my eyes out. And I was like, maybe they were right. You know, maybe my family was right. I did not know what I was signing up for. Like, this is too hard. And I was like, I think I, I need to go, right? Like I was like, I should just wow. get in my car and drive far, yeah, wow. far away. I wasn't serious, but you know, I kind of thought about it. And it was that day I said, you know what? No, I'm committed to doing this. And so I, I did what we all do. I went to the internet for support yeah. and I was really, really disappointed with what I found. There was a lot of, you know, ex-wife bashing. There was a lot of bitching. There was a lot of complaining. There was a lot of blaming. It was very, very toxic space. Right. And then I noticed that there's a lot of stepmom blogs or sorry, a lot of mom blogs, but not a lot of stepmom blogs. Yeah. Right. So there was just such a lack of solution focused support. So kind of that day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to really do this well. And I made that commitment to myself. And I went on this journey of just diving into everything that was going on, because here's the thing. Thriving as a stepmom actually has nothing to do with being a stepmom. It has to do with your own inner work and like dealing with yeah. your own wounds and your own triggers and your own insecurities and your yeah. own fears. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to look at the ex and blame her or blame your partner and how he's parenting yeah. than like yeah. go and, and be like, why is it? What am I so scared of? Why is this triggering for me? Like, how right. am I contributing to this? So I started that process. And in doing that, I decided I just had this like ping. I was always thinking about starting a blog. I had blogged a little bit in university. And one day I was like, I just decided to go for it. Never thought of it would be anything. And what was really interesting, and this is the power of search. I started to get stepmoms from all over the world, reach out to me and thank me for saying what they were thinking or creating the type of support they were looking for. And I was literally just sharing my journey. Yep. And so from there, it just kind of grew. I started working with brands. I started, you know, I, I wrote an ebook. I just yeah. realized at one point, I'm like, I'm sitting here spending a lot of my time on this and I'm not making any money. I either need to go back to, to work because I was on mat leave or I need to like right. really make a go at this. Yeah. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. Yeah, it's funny because like I started out handling a whole bunch of areas of law, a little bit of family court stuff, then prosecuted child abuse and neglect, represented kids for a period of time. And then when I had my own kids, obviously not a step-parent situation, but uh, there, there's it, as much as you can learn what you should be doing or what you you just don't know until you're in it with kids. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you're always learning new things. So, um, so what struggles have you encountered as a stepmom, and was there a learning curve? You getting better at it and working through it? Talk to me about that. Oh yeah, you know, I think I talk about this a lot. You know, stepmoms get really caught up on how we think it should be, instead of yeah. focusing on what what is like this is right. the situation, right, right, right. So a lot of like, there's just so much that's out of your control, and nothing is simple, right, right, and there's. As a stepmom, you're kind of damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So if you go all in and you're, you know, treating the kids like they're your own and you're showing up and doing all the things and you're overstepping and you're not respecting the role of their mom. But then if you don't, it's like, well, what did she expect? You know, he has kids. This is, you right. know, she's not taking this role seriously. So I started to learn really quickly that you just, yeah, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And uh, so that was really, really hard for me. And I think one of the biggest challenges was, you know, obviously like dealing with an ex and dealing with a mom who maybe doesn't have the same parenting values as you and does things a little bit differently and, you know, views your situation completely different than you do. Right. And uh, yeah, there's just so much that was out of my control and I would spiral. So, you know, we would get, you know, a lawyer's letter. Or we would get, um, there'd be, you know, an issue over like snow pants and oh my God, you know, right. splitting pizza lunch and just like all of the little nitty gritty stuff. And I would spiral for the day. Like I couldn't think about anything else. Yeah. And what's different, you know, I find my partner can, um, he can just compartmentalize. So right. he has dealt with it and then he moves on. But I'm sitting there at home and I am like Googling precedent setting cases or I'm Googling how to do things better, right. like parenting plans. I was just fixated on all the things that I didn't have control over. Right. And that's just not an effective way to live your life because at the yeah. end of the day, it affects how you show up for the kids. You're you're it depleted. Does. You're not taking care of yourself. 
you can't change it. Yep. Right. So I think that was my biggest challenge is just feeling like I had no control over things. Yep. And in doing that, you start, you, you forget to look at the things that you do have control over, which is a lot. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tough to be in that, in that space, like to, you know what you should be doing. Right. But, but like, as much as you tell yourself to do it, you almost, you, you just like, can't help it. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't have control over this stuff. Like, let it, let it do what it's going to do. And you just do you, you just do what you can, you know, yeah. but that's, that's so much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the moment, you think things are a really big deal and you're like, oh, yeah. this is the principle of it. This is not fair. Right. And really, you know, it's interesting. I was going through, I had to get some documents for my um, stepson. He was renewing his passport and his mom needed a form. So right. I was going through all of our old documentation. It's so funny. Like the things that we were documenting and things that we thought were a big deal. Like there was correspondence between, you know, my husband and his ex about a volleyball and like who didn't pay the other person half for the volleyball and, you know, expenses and things like that, which, you know, in the long run that those kind of things can really add up, but really, you know, like, does it really matter? And at the very beginning, I think you just don't have the perspective about what really matters. Yeah. And it's funny because you have these situations. It's like uh, and if you talk to the kids, you know, they'll give you their perspective on this. It's like when there's a back there, when there's switches of custody and visitation, they're like living out of a bag, going house to house. And then, you know, you have one parent saying, well, those are my pants. Those are my socks. I want that ball back. I, that's, you know, I bought that. That's my. Well, no, it's the kids. Like, you got to yeah. just let it like if you gave the kid a volleyball or whatever it is and they're bringing it to the other parent's house and they forget it and they don't bring it back. Go buy another damn volleyball because you know what? I think the kids end up internalizing that stress and the parents going back and forth just don't see it. 100%. I had a conversation. I remember we were sitting, we had bought the Xboxes and Xboxes are freaking expensive. Right? Oh my God. And yeah. Like, yeah. and complex. Just, I can't figure out how to set them up or line them up online or any of those. So, yeah. Anyhow. The kids keep saying, can you stop calling it Nintendo? It's <laughs> like, well, <laughs> right, whatever. Right. Nintendo. Right. Um, so, we were having a conversation at the our island one day and we're just kind of regrouping on things. And we kind of said, well, you know, we're, we have the Xboxes and so the Xboxes are going to stay here. And right. then, you know, you can ask your mom for an Xbox at your mom's house. Right. And which seems fair, right? Like it seems like that's right. how it should be. But what if mom doesn't want to buy an Xbox at her house or what if she won't? And my stepson right. said to me, well, it's ours though. You gave it to us. And I, we stopped and we were like, you're right. You're right. Okay. Right. Right? And I think it's really important just to kind of elaborate on what you're saying is to hear the kids and what they're saying and, and where they're struggling. Cause I think sometimes we're like, Oh, kids are resilient. Like they'll, they'll bounce back. Like it's not a big deal. Like they don't care about not having their stuff. It's, It's here when they need it. No. Like I know if I didn't have my favorite pair of yoga pants with me, wherever I go, I would feel really like triggered. Right. Like I want my favorite stuff. And I think we need to really like look at the big picture when it comes to that kind of stuff. Right. And it's not worth the turmoil, like get in the car, go pick it up if they forgot it. Like it's, and that only happens for a short window of time. It's like three, four years where they're constantly forgetting their stuff. It is a pain in the ass. It is very frustrating, Yeah, but they're kids and they, 
they didn't ask for this. Yeah. And it's funny because kids and, and it's tough to explain this. And even I don't fully understand it myself. Kids are resilient. Absolutely. But they're also like sponges. So okay. as much as they're resilient, they soak everything up. They hear everything. Even when you think they're not listening to things, they are. Even when you think they're not internalizing your stressors, they are. So mm -hmm. like resilient, but sponges. Yeah. And this is traumatic, right? A lot of the stuff that I went through as a child, it, it affected how I showed up as an adult. If it's, right? affecting, if it's affecting you as an adult who can understand it a little bit better, how do you think it's affecting kids? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to you have to make that that next logical leap to say, you know, yeah, it's impacting the kids. But I think it's you know, I think being in a space where kids feel comfortable to say things to the parents like they said to you, hey, but but that Xbox, that's mine. Like, I think some kids don't even necessarily feel comfortable to voice their opinion about things like that. And then and then if you don't like so. So my point is like. Create that environment so they feel comfortable giving you feedback on what's happening in the household and two households, vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, so you say on your websites while you say on your website, while moms are encouraged to keep it real about the challenges that come with motherhood, stepmoms are expected to keep their mouth shut. Tell me about that and how that made you feel. Well, I felt like it was bullshit. <laughs> like yes. Just, you know, <laughs> Here's the thing, like this is a big push in mother in, in online, right? So you have right. the mom blogs and it's like, let's, yep. you know, mom needs her wine. You know, I can't wait for the kids to go back to school. Um, right. The kids are driving me crazy. All of these things. And that's great. Like, I think we need to talk about the challenges of motherhood and, and what this experience has been like for women from, from the beginning, right? Like there's yep. a huge emotional load that comes with, you know, being a mom and, and being the mom of a house. But stepmoms deal with a lot of the same things and they have far less control, right? So it's, yeah. I think it's even more challenging to be a stepmom than it is to be a mom in a lot of situations. But yet when stepmoms say the same things as moms, you get the, well, you knew what you were signing up for. Right. Right. Like, or what did you expect? Or how does that make the kids feel when you say that? Like there's this completely different, there's, it's a double standard. Yeah. And no one really talks about step parenting, right? Like they're like yeah. when you hear the word stepmom, if you're like asked a stranger on the street, what what do you think about when you hear the word stepmom? It's like, oh, like evil, conflict with the ex, like right. that Absolutely. kind of stuff, right? And it's the way we've been painted, you know, by society. It's like the movies, like all those things. But stepmoms also aren't talking about it. Stepmoms yes. aren't openly talking about it because they're met with that judgment. And so yeah. I'm really passionate about just starting <clears throat> that conversation, right? Being a stepmom is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like 100%. It is, it is the hardest role. Now coming out the other side, it is the best thing like that I've ever done. I've learned so, not even just because I love my family, but because I have learned so much about myself and grown so much as a person in my communication skills and like dealing with my past and like all of the yeah. things. It's been such a great process. And I, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world, but you know, I have been doing the work and giving myself permission to do the work. And I don't think it's, that's normalized, right? Yep. That's why I had to start my community because stepmoms yeah. were saying they wanted to comment on my posts, but the ex saw that they were following a stepmom blog and were, it was causing issues. So it's like, what? Like why? Right. Why is right. that an issue? But I think I agree with you. I think that's the, um, that's the perception. 
if if you mm-hmm. ask anybody and I and I can tell even just for the things that I've put out my subject matter on TikTok on videos, what you'll see is you'll see the it, it's always like mom hero, like step parent, step mom villain. You know what I mean? That's the way it's painted. And that's mm-hmm. really not fair. Like a lot of the feedback I've gotten from step parents are like step parents who are really committed, you know, to their step kids. And I've always mm-hmm. said, like, for a lot of these parents, like they don't view it as like. I have biological children and I have stepchildren. They're like, they're my kids. They're the kids. You know, when you drop them off at the ball game, these are my kids. Like not not trying to pass them off and cut out the other parent, but but letting them know you're there to do everything you can and you're committed to to be a parent for these kids to the extent that you're that you're involved in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Changing that perception, I think, is super important right now. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's why I have the conversations I do. And I, and I kind of say things and it's even, even me. So I am pretty bold in what I say, and I'm pretty confident. And, you know, I I do this for a living. Sometimes I will say something on an Instagram post and I'll just be like, Oh my gosh, like, I cannot believe I just said that. Like, what are people going to think? And then it's, there's even times when I go back and I delete it. Cause I'm like, I just can't deal with the backlash on that. Right. And I don't get a lot of hate, but just, you don't want people to misunderstand your intentions just yep. because there is such judgment about being a stepmom. And it's, something yep. just popped into my mind. It was, you know, I was having a conversation with my husband's ex on the phone once. And um, it was like, probably it was kind of like a heated conversation. And I said, look, like, I love these kids. Like they're my own. Right. And her response was, well, you should like, you should love them. Like they're your own. It was almost like that was a given. Okay. Well, but then yet I have to take a back seat for all of these important events. Right. So it's right. like, again, it goes back to this double standard. So the stepmom is supposed to show up for the homework and the driving and the lunches and all the things that we do, but you know, the grad dress shopping or, you know, the important days, like you better back up and you got to know your place. Cause you're not a real parent. So right. it's like, okay, are the stepmoms real parents or are they not? Like what role are we to play? And that's where it gets so confusing. Ooh, Right. Right. So how have you worked through that? I'm really curious, even stuff like, you know, even just like disciplining the kids or like participating in the fun stuff or like organizing, like, how do you work through that? How, how have you worked through that in your situation? I'm curious to hear about that. Mm-hmm. So from the, so my husband has a job where he's, he often works late and he's kind of out and about doing a lot. So I was always kind of the primary mom parent in the home. And we did that from the very beginning. And that was really challenging too, right? Because at the beginning, I was like not doing a lot of the disciplining. But if I was having issues with one of my stepkids, he talks about how like at the beginning when he drove in, like I would be right out of the car and being like, you want to know what was just happening? Like you need to deal with this, like all these things, which like just so you know, stepmoms, that's a terrible approach. And it really wrecks the vibe of your home. And it is not very nice for your husband to come home. (laughs) You could deal with it a little different. Right, right, right. But it was it was really, really challenging at the beginning. But at the beginning, you know, the kids overall did take to me and I would, you know, I could take away an iPad if we needed to deal with it. And Darren, I have always been very much on the same page. But as they got older, I realized that, you know, teenagers are far less forgiving of their step parents than they are of their parents. Like you can bounce back. And the same goes for the stepmom. So if my, one of my stepkids are being a jerk and they've like done something and I'm super upset about it, I'm like, you know, triggered by it and they need to be punished right. and it was rude. 
as a real parent, like quote unquote, like they get over that quicker because you just have this like unconditional love where a day right. later, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm still pissed about that. Right. Like we're still ruminating on it. Right. So I had to realize that sometimes you have to take that step back and let right. the let my husband take the lead on the parenting piece, meaning like the the big conversations, the discipline. And I would just kind of focus on my relationship. So being a stepmom really is about the dance and like asking yourself, is what I'm doing working? Is it affecting the vibe of the home? Like, is it like if I would give my stepson trouble, like especially during COVID, it was really difficult time. It could affect the vibe of the home for three, four days. Right. Whereas if my husband dealt with it, we would all bounce back quicker. So just kind of like evaluating your role. And constantly kind of like taking your cues from the kids is what I had to do. So my role has evolved based on where they're at, what's working, my mental health, like everything that's going on. Right. Right. And I'm here as a support. Right. Now, have you guys now curious, do you and your husband have a check in about that? Have has that been like an organized sort of situation where you say, you know, hey, you know, I'm trying to discipline. This is not working. Like, how do we want to do this? You discipline on that. I discipline on the other thing or I'm going to take the lead here. Have you guys like worked through that and like had an organized plan in your household? Look, like it'd be really like nice for me to sit there and be like, yeah, we sat down and we decided how, how we're going to parent. Like there was a time right. where I'm like, I can't freaking do this anymore. Like you freaking deal with it. Right. Right. Like you expect me to deal with this. And it's like, this is driving me nuts. Like I'm taking a step back. So we've had conversations like that many times. But I think when a stepmom's taking the step back, there's there's a huge talk about disengaging in the stepmom space. Right. It's all about, well, you need to disengage. And I'm really big on there's the right way to disengage and there's the wrong way. So when I'm taking a step back, it's not like screw you. No one's listening to me. No one appreciates me like like I'm out. It's not right. like that. I'm disengaging because my end goal is to have a healthy, happy home right. and strong relationships. So right. that's what's best for our vibe at this time. That doesn't mean I'm not there to support my husband. I, I still make everyone dinner. Like I still do all the things, right. but like the heavy stuff, that was my partner. Now, you know, I'm in a really great place with all of my stepkids. Everyone's doing great. Like, so I will have more strict conversations with them now. Like I have no problem because that's what works with the season that we're in. Right. Right. So you can kind of go back and forth and that confuses people, but it's really about reading the room. Right. Right. So how do you think your, how do you think your relationship or your ability to step, to be a kick-ass stepmom, how do you think that's improved over time? What do you think the things you've learned that you've gotten better at, let's say over time? And I don't mean to single out like you're, you're, you know, you're trying to work to get better at something, but I think everybody, you know, over time wants to be better at everything. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, I made a decision a few years ago to just focus on the vibe of my home. That is my number one priority. Yeah. What do I want the kids to remember when they walk in the door, right? How do they feel? What I want them to look back as an adult. Cause these, we, we forget like kids are going to be, the childhood is not very long. They're going to yep. be adults and they're going to yep. look back with an adult perspective. Yep. And so what do I want them to remember? So everything for me comes down to the vibe, right? Yeah. And so in doing that, you know, I take care of myself a lot better really focus on Like I know when I'm really triggered by anything in our step family life, it's because yeah. my self-care is off. I don't have the bandwidth to deal with it because I'm, I don't have the reserve. Right. Um, and looking <clears throat> back so much of what I thought mattered really didn't matter. Yeah. Like the bedtime, like being on a different, like I used to be really strict on bedtime, my husband, not so much. So we would have arguments over bedtime 
you know, I, I let a lot of things go. Like the kids' rooms, they're messy because um, they're teenagers. And yep. I can only ask them so many times. Like, I don't actually care what the room looks like as long as they're it's like within reason. Yep. But I'm not going to get in a fight over it. I'm not going to get in a battle over it. Um, they want to wear the same clothes every day. You know, I got a message from a stepmom saying like, my stepson wears the same pants every day. Like, what should I do? I said, I don't know, like wash them for him every two days. So they, he doesn't reek, you know, that's what he wants right. to wear. It doesn't really matter. Right. You know, my five, son's doing that. And he's seven. Matter. My son's doing yeah. that. He's seven. He has one yeah. or two pairs of pants or shorts he wants to wear. And that's it. And, and yeah. again, and I, you know, and again, I'm like, but, but Travis, you can't like keep wearing the same. That's how he comes. But why not? Right. Like, let's right. challenge that. Like, why can't you wear the same pair right. all the time? Right. It makes him feel good. Makes him feel comfortable living right. his best life. And his, right. you know, my, my daughter, all she wants to wear is root sweatpants. That's all she wants yep. to wear. And, you know, I wash them for her a lot right. or I can buy an extra pair but like, just because I think this is the right way to do, like these kids get to make their own decisions too, right? Right. So it's just like the little things. You know, yeah. I, I tell a story in one of my emails. I went downstairs one day and I was really just excited to sit there and just like have some like alone time. Yeah. And um, teenage boys are kind of disgusting, like for the most part. And I know some people are going to be like, you can't really say that. But like for the most part, like teenage boys are just kind of gross from my experience. And I go and I sit on our couch and one of my stepsons has just put a wad of gum, just like sitting on the coffee table. Mm -hmm. And I was like, come on. Right. The old me would have walked upstairs, told him to come and do it. Like tell him to clean it up. Like it would have been a big thing. His dad needs to talk to him about respecting our blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. All very valid points. Right. right. You don't put gum on a table. Kind of gross. Instead, picked up the gum. I put it in the thing. I sat down, I read my book. I had my time and I came upstairs and they were making breakfast. And I was like, Hey, so don't worry. I got that wad of gum you left on the, on the um, coffee table for you. Like I'm kind of sarcastic. And he just looks right. at me. He's like, Oh, I said, so if you were a parent, like, what would you say about that? And he said, well, I'd say that's really lazy and disgusting. I'm like, all right. So we're on the same page, right? Maybe the garbage next time. Right. Right. Like see how right. dealing with that in two different ways is like a completely yeah. different, you know, result on the vibe of the home. I love the idea of and I'm looking at it like almost focus on the uh, forest, not the trees. So the mm -hmm. relationship with your kids of the overall, the general, you know, the general approach, the connection rather than each little. What are you doing yeah. with this and that, 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 that? And I tend to be that type of person. I'm the guy that's like the neat freak at home. So it's like, mm -hmm. hey, pick this up. This this goes in the trash. This goes in the recycle. Don't leave that. You know, and in some ways, like, hey, just like folks. And I think it's it's particularly important with the step parent relationship because that yeah. connection can can be because of like what you were saying before, like the difference between like sometimes the bio, the bio connection and the stepchild connection. Like it's important to continue to foster that and support it. And like that's that's mm -hmm. the most important thing at the end of the day. Totally. And, you know, I think like even with me, I like a clean kitchen. Yeah. But that's yeah. my value. So my right. definition of a clean kitchen is very different than my stepkids definition and even my husband's definition of a clean kitchen. Right. So if I really want that kitchen clean, because that's my value, not theirs. Right. I might as well just do it myself. 
Right. Right. Instead of like sitting there nagging them to do it and then they don't do it right because they don't even see what I'm seeing. You know, right. I, I think it's really important. Like when we're saying about being a neat freak or perfectionist, like, okay, yep. well, that's a you thing. It is. It yeah, is 100%. I know. It sucks to hear too. <laughs> it does suck to hear. Uh, you, if you can see the wheels turning around, I was damn it. Now I need yeah. to, <laughs> I need to be the guy that wipes off the counters and make sure the dishes are put away yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> now I've got to own that. Uh, that's yeah. okay. I learned something. That's good. <laughs> so do your stepkids call you mom? No, I'm not their mom. Okay. They okay. Jamie. Okay. Uh, and this is, and was there fun- any, was there any like conversation or any like, or just, it just, it just happened and you allowed it to happen. And it just, they called you Jamie and that was it. And you left it that way. Yeah. Like they call me Jamie. Cause that's my name and they have right. a mom. And, yeah. uh, as a mom myself, and this is, you know, sir, this will trigger certain stepmoms and like everyone has like what works for one yeah. family doesn't work for another. Right. Right. But for me, you know, my daughter Reese, she's, she's eight. like I said, I'm her mom. Yep. That's I'm her mom. And that is a sacred relationship. I take that very seriously. So, you know, someone else coming in to say, you know, Darren and I divorced and someone else came into her life and they wanted her to call the mom too. Like, no, right. Like you, I think you need to respect that role. Maybe there's a different name. Sometimes you want something special, but I think it's really important to like, the name someone calls you doesn't define your relationship either, right? Like, are you looking for validation that you are this role in their life? Like, I I do think it's really important to respect the role of the mom. And especially with your stepkids, like they can call you whatever they want, whatever they feel comfortable with, but you also have to feel comfortable with it too. And it has to be something that you're willing to deal with the backlash on, right? Like if their mom isn't okay with that, are you like that just opens a whole can of worms right? and and starts a lot of problems. So I think like, you know, I'm kind of rambling on this, but like my name's Jamie, they call me Jamie and I call them my stepkids too, because they right. are my stepkids and there's right. nothing wrong with, you know, that's not less than right. They're my stepkids because right. they have a mom. Right. It's funny. Cause I did a piece on this just recently. And lawyers will tell you as you go through these processes, you will draft orders that, sp- that speak to it specifically. No one else shall be referred to as mom and no one else shall be referred to as dad or as you know, other than the fa- the biological father, the petitioner respondent. You know, we're, we're very clear in our orders about that. And I put together a piece on that on TikTok and basically said biological mom is mom. Biological dad is dad. They should be called as such. And I just a lot of times I just put stuff out there just to see a conversation back and forth between people. And there were a lot of people that came in and said, hey, but my situation is different. My stepson came to me and said, I want to call you mom. And they haven't seen their biological mother in 10 years and she left the country or what. Hey, there is no pressure in this situation to follow anyone else's rule book. You've got to do what's best for you and your family and your kids or stepkids. And if it works for you. I'm not the one that's going to tell you that you should be doing something different, to be quite frank. So I think the idea of like you saw things develop, they developed as they developed, it fits for your family, it works the way you did it, and everybody's happy with it. Great. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, and especially from the kid's perspective. 100%. Just make sure you're not doing it because you're doing the stepmom, mom pissing match, right? It's like marking your territory or I'm, I'm a great mom too, and like getting in that competition for roles. 
that right. just is like starts this whole other thing. And it, that's like, it's, it's not about ego. Right. Right. And I think, you know what? I say a lot of these situations, these post divorce situations, um, even in the divorce, the family court of, of the non-married couples, I say a lot of the turmoil is based and I'll, and I'll say mostly from the remnants of the broken relationship. There are things you feel like you need to proverbial axes to grind from the broken relationship rather than the actual disputes regarding the kids, et cetera. Um, 100%. And, and probably some internal things too. I think, you know, your points earlier is you start with you. I think we're so focused just as human beings in general to point fingers as to who did this, who did that, who did the other thing rather than just starting point is just look in the mirror and not necessarily to say that you're to blame, but what like level of responsibility can you take for the situations that you're in and how can you improve yourself? And when you improve yourself, how does that impact all of your relationships across the board? Mm -hmm. 100%. So, so you have an episode on your podcast called he thought I was a bitch, a candid conversation with your stepson. Uh, yeah. First, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. Well, yeah, you did think I was a bitch. And I it's really interesting. So I've had both my stepson and my my oldest stepson and my oldest stepdaughter on the right. podcast. And um, my stepdaughter was on first. And when I shared her episode, my stepson messages me on Instagram. He's like, I'll go on your podcast. I'm like, you just want to beat her numbers. And it's like, yeah, I know. I totally do. Yes, of so course. we came on and I said to them before we press record, I said, I want you to be super honest. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And my right. stepson and I have had a really kind of like rocky relationship. We've had periods of time where I would just dread when he would come, right? Because it was just really tense. And I, so I never want, when people are listening to me talk, I don't want them to be like, oh, well, whatever. Okay, it's perfect over there. It is not freaking perfect. Right. We always have stuff um, happening and it can be very, very stressful. So our relationship has been rocky, especially during COVID. We just right. were not on the same page about expectations and rules and you know, there are a lot of people in the house. And right. uh, so he came on the podcast and I think one of the questions someone had said, like, you know, how is your relationship with Jamie evolved? And he goes, well, can I swear? And I said, yeah, go for it. And he goes, you know, at first I thought you're kind of a bitch and uh, I wanted you and dad to break up. And I knew that like, that wasn't news to me and it didn't hurt my right. feelings at all. And, uh, he goes, then I realized you guys weren't going anywhere. And I, we talked about one of the, the conversation that I had with him when we were really struggling. Cause I had said to him, look, right. you don't have to like me, Like giving your stepkids permission not to like you or the idea of you is really powerful, but you don't have to like me. And to be honest right now, buddy, you're not really all that easy to like either. Like this is not working. Right. But we have to understand that, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And we need to find a way to live together because the vibe right now, like this is not nice for anyone. Right. And we, we you know, we had that conversation when he was early teens and uh, it really helped. But he talked about just how our relationship has, has yeah. evolved since, since then. And uh, he's like, you can still sometimes be a bit of a bitch. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like that's fine. You know, and it's just having an open and honest conversation. But what I thought was really interesting is that my stepdaughter said like nothing like that. We've always had such a great relationship. Yeah. So it's like 
two different kids, two different people can experience the same situation in two very different ways. Yes. And it's about their own experience and their own journey and their own reactions to things. Yeah, that's interesting, though. But but do you think so? So here's my thing. Do you think that level of honesty, that level of just like taking it on direct and saying like, hey, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. But we need to figure this out. And you're not my most favorite person at times either. But like, and I'm sure you may not like me, but let's let's find a middle ground. I mean, just that level of honesty. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think that's what kind of like got him? Because I think I always feel like when you're when you're honest with people and you're straightforward, there's so much they can take from that rather than feeling like you're putting on some BS sort of like personality to please them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's really my style. And it kind of always has been like, there was a time we were skiing and I had asked him to put his helmet. I'm like, can you just go put your helmet um, on the shelf? Yeah. Super simple conversation. And he responded. He was like, she's not my mom. Like this whole, like he just kind of had a meltdown. Obviously that was not about the helmet. That was about something he was going through at that time. Right. Right. Um, so we were on the ski trip, we come home, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and it's been a few days and he comes out and he's like, Hey, can you take me to my buddy's house? And I said, okay. And then, you know, the night before he had spilt mustard on his shirt and he'd come up and he's like, Hey, Jane, can you get the mustard out of my shirt? Like I, it's my new shirt. I, I stained it. Like there was a right. couple of things. So there's like th- a f- bunch of different examples. And so I went into his room right before he wanted me to take us to his friends. And I said, Hey, I said, I just need to talk to you for a second. I said, so remember when you said, I don't like, she's not my mom. Like I don't have to listen to her. Right. And he goes, yeah. I said, first of all, I just, so you know, I'm not your mom. I know I'm not your mom. I'm never going to like, I'm, I never tried to be, I'm like, but I am the mom in this house and I do do a lot for you. And I do really care about you. I said, but let's, you can think of me however you want. Like that's up to you. But how fair is it? If I'm not your mom and you don't have to listen to me because I'm not your mom, why do I have to get the mustard out of your shirt if you're not my kid? Right. Or why do I have to drop what I'm doing right now to drive you in? Because you're not my, like, I'm not your mom and you're not my kid. Like, why do I have to continue to do all these things for you if you don't have to treat me with respect? Yeah. Right. I said, we can do this. We can go either way. It's totally up to you, but we're we're not going to get the best of both worlds here. So you just, you just need to kind of understand how this is going to go. And he's like, yeah. Right. And we, we never had that problem ever again, but it was just putting things into perspective too. And just having those really honest conversations. Right. And I think stepmoms need to understand like a teenager could just grunt in response to that. And that doesn't mean they didn't hear you. Right. Like they, they might not open up and be super vulnerable, but right. like, you know, I think a grunt in response from a teenager sometimes is like sometimes as good as you're going to get, but it starts right. the wheels turning. Right. And I think for step parents, there's always this fear of, the confrontation with the stepchild, okay, being direct and open and honest, which is probably the best approach, but the mm-hmm. backlash that they're going to get from the ex if they do that, or mm-hmm. pers- or possibly from the court system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that- I think if you do it with love and like yes, like what would the court say about like so the ex could make up a story right and say right. she's doing this or or whatever, right. but like. I think you have to just stay true to what you think is best. 
And what we've learned from the court system yeah. is like, there's a lot of letters and a lot of threats and a lot of documentation. And at the end of the day, it's about the facts and it's about the numbers. Yeah. And so like, I think we're always scared of that backlash, Yeah. but you know, whatever. You got got, to just stay true to you. Right. You've got to do what you know is best, not just as a parent, but as a step parent as well. If if your intentions are truly good and you're just trying to do something to be the best you can or have the best relationship with your step son or daughter that you can, you have to believe in that and you have to follow through with it and be confident about it. And if it means Mm -hmm. having an open and honest conversation, um, you know, do it because the courts will see through the BS that the ex may try to contrive about it. I mean, that's always mm-hmm. been my view of the world. Um, well, yeah. And it's not your first, it's not the judge's first day in court. Like right. everyone has right. the, these bullshit issues. Like they they see through this. Right. Right. So you have a podcast, a blog, an ebook, of course, and a membership. Tell us a little bit about the ebook. Yeah. So I have an ebook. It, I, I felt like I was constantly like sharing my tips. So I put all my tips in one. So 120 okay. ways to be a kick-ass stepmom. And I, I talk about being a childless stepmom. I talk about fertility. I talk about dealing with the ex and in-laws and mutual family and friends. So it really right. is um, just kind of, there's something in there for every stepmom and just, it's just like a bunch of, a bunch of tips in there. And yeah. I'm pretty confident like you implement even half of them or even less than that. Like you're going to see some change, but it really does surprise people because it's, it really comes back to your own reaction and your perspective and how you're showing up. So I always feel like these these little digestible tips or tidbits for people are just so useful, even just to skim through. It's funny. I had a Julie Teeth Teller on, uh, I want to say like two, three, four weeks ago, and she had like tips, texts you can send your husband or wife to like keep your relationship strong. And it's mm-hmm. when you get something like that, just little tips you can do along the way. They're so pragmatic, so easy, so usable. So, mm-hmm. um, so that sounds super useful. Uh, the course, what course can listeners sign up for? Yeah. So right now I have kick-ass stepmom, kick-ass life. It's a course where actually everything is kind of bundled in one right now, which is really exciting. Oh, so great. Everything is kind of, kind of on a discount because we are revamping a bunch of new resources for next year. And I just want to make sure everyone has this stuff in their toolbox as well. But the course is basically... I talk about how there's no one size fits all approach. So I wanted right. to create a, you know, a system for stepmoms to go through and figure out what works for them. So your role with your ex, your relationship right. with your partner, your role with your stepkids, all of that. So basically it's just this process that you can go through to figure out your formula to be the expert on your own life. And yeah. uh, there's videos, there's worksheets, there's prompts, there's you know, support from me. So it's really for those who are ready to dive in and who are like, this is not freaking working. I need to yeah. make a shift. I walk you through how to figure that out. And I think the genius of that is not giving them a roadmap of how they can be this specific person. It's giving mm-hmm. them a roadmap of how they can understand themselves and their situation and come up with their own situation, their own results that fits them. Mm-hmm. Cause everyone's plan is going to be different, right? Cause yeah. there's so many contributing factors. You've got the ex, you've got your stepkids. Maybe you've got right. like in-laws who have a certain role, like mutual family and friends. So what being a stepmom looks like for me, it could look very different for someone else, right? Yes. Like someone else maybe isn't doing pickup and drop off. Cause that's not their dynamic, but yeah, you know, for me, that's, that's my role. So I think that's really important to remember. That's awesome. 
So, Jamie, thank you so much for being on. Tell us where my listeners tell tell the listeners where they can find you and any of your resources. Give us the yeah. website, the all the information. Yeah, so it's all pretty simple. It's jamiescrimger.com. Um, and I'm Jamie Scrimger on Instagram, Facebook, and then my podcast is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. So we're on you know, wherever you listen to your shows and you're coming on soon too, which is going to yes, be really exciting. Yes. So yeah, I'm here and I do have a community. So if you're looking for kind of like next level exclusive content, <clears throat> I have a membership. It's called the Exclusive Stepmom Community. So I do free coaching calls. There's tell-all podcast awesome. episodes. There's workshops on like how to disengage and set boundaries and all of that kind of stuff and a private forum. So you, we have stepmoms from over 30 countries from around the world in there. So it's a pretty cool space off social media. It's a safe space for stepmoms just to kind of keep it real. Yeah. The kick ass stepmom. Jamie, thank you so much again for being on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again next time on Divorce Stories uh, with your host, Dennis Petrano. Take care of a great day. Bye-bye.